0: Hello I'm Philip and I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad
1: and Daughter do Death.
0: So how's your week been Phoebe?
1: It's been good thank you it's been very snowy we've had a lot of snow here finally so that's been fun to be able to get out and about in and explore. How's your week been?
0: Yeah snowy as well very very cold. Yeah really cold. Not as cold as it has been up in Scotland, I was looking at. But it was really cold in Scotland. Minus 24 or something last night, wasn't it in Braemar? That's uh, very cold. But, but on the <laughs> corner of the garage here, there was a really quite long, could be at least a foot long icicle hanging um, off I've, the corner of the garage.
1: That's <laughs> amazing. I've had one outside my window that I've been watching all day. I meant to take a photo of it, um, but I forgot. and now it's stuck. It might be there tomorrow. <laughs> if it is, I'll, I'll send you a picture of it.
0: Yeah, I, I took a picture of, of the, uh, the one I saw so then.
1: That's pretty cool. put it
0: on our instagram page there we go
1: <laughs> we can share
0: it <laughs> yeah, anyone else has taking a picture of any uh of a longer, longer. icicle icicle
1: yeah. yeah in scotland i bet they've had some really long ones <laughs>
0: yeah yeah there indeed
1: is. so um i thought f- we should like touch on some big news that's come out today um yeah. obviously i am based in yorkshire just outside hull and um The really sad case of Libby Squire, who died and went missing in 2019. um, And then she was found a few weeks later in the Humber. And today, um, Pavel Relevich, I think it is, um, his name is, he's been convicted of her rape and murder. um, And he's been sentenced on Friday. So um, some closure there for her family, which is great. But it's been um, a really sad and a really, a really interesting case to kind of follow especially as it is so local.
0: Yeah yeah it's very sad and uh, I'm sure our thoughts go out to her family yes definitely. Time, uh, come to terms with it all and um, yes even though he's been convicted and may spend a very long time in prison it won't bring their daughter back to them so. Uh,
1: no absolutely not and I think the kind of the impact that it will have on Hull and the student community um is going to be felt for a really long time because it's such a close-knit student area that she was murdered in um it was literally on on the same road that I used to live on actually and when I was at university in Hull so um real student area and I think that that's going to have a real knock on for for a long time so yeah big story locally but glad that some sort of justice has happened there yes Um, Yeah, and in other true crime news I think I read this since we did our last thing um but the autopsy has been finished on Chad Daybell's wife uh Tammy so um obviously Chad and Laurie well Chad Daybell and Laurie Velo are about to go on trial for the murder of Laurie Velo's children um and that's a whole wacky bonkers case <laughs> um, and uh, as part of it they've exhumed his wife who died and done a new autopsy but they haven't actually released the results yet so I think that will be really interesting to see what comes from that um, and I heard that there's a new podcast coming out all about the Laurie Vallow stuff called Mommy Doomsday which is coming out on Monday I think so excited to listen to that and hear another spin on that because the whole thing is just absolutely Bonkers, it
0: is a bonkers case, yeah. And wasn't there, um, was it a brother in law or some yeah, other guy? Her brother, he died. suddenly died quite young. Yeah, and, and her
1: first and the dad of her daughter, I think, died.
0: And um, so right, yeah.
1: a lot of people around them seem to die in weird, mysterious circumstances. Uh, and obviously, they're all linked in with thinking that doomsday was going to happen last July and things like that. So yeah, really wacky case, but interesting developments coming through there, I think. So I guess we'll all be on the edge of our seats watching that trial unfold.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. So that's another one from across the pond. That another one an from across on. the
1: pond, yes, definitely. Um so tonight I'm going to tell you about quite a grim murder that happened, um, but one with a bit of a royal twist.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Um, Tonight, I'm going to tell you the story of uh, Jane Andrews. So Jane Dawn, Elizabeth Andrews, was born on the 1st of April, 1967, in Cleeforps. So another local girl-ish, obviously in North Lincolnshire. And she was the youngest of three children. Um, She was really bright, really bright girl. um, And she did really well at grammar school. But her family were involved in quite a lot of debt. So her dad was a joiner and her mum was a social worker, but they never really had any money. So because of this, um, they moved to Grimsby, lovely right. Grimsby, um, which is cheaper than Cleethorpe, basically. <laughs> um, and there, where she'd been going to a grammar school in Cleethorpe, so that she actually moved to a kind of comprehensive school. She went to Hereford Technology College, which is now Ormston Mar- Maritime Academy. Um, and then while she was there, she really suffered with her mental health. Um, she had depression, she had panic attacks, she had an eating disorder, she was really struggling with school, she often played truant. Um, and at the age of 15, she actually attempted suicide by drug overdose. Oh, um, wow. but her mum found her and um and she was okay. And then when she was 17, she became pregnant, but she ended up having an abortion, something that um, you know, she said kind of affected her, her whole life but um, soon after that she discovered that she had a real love and a real eye for fashion um, and so she went on to Grimsby College of Art where she studied a fashion course um, and she actually went on to design children's clothes for arts and senses.
0: Oh wow okay. Which
1: is good so you know she really kind of turned things around for herself and then in 1988 when she was 21 she answered an anonymous advert um, in The Lady which is British, one of Britain's longest running women's magazines. Um, and it's really notable for its kind of classified adverts for domestic care and childcare. So she um, responded to this advert for, for a personal dresser. Um, and the advert turned out to actually be for Sarah, the Duchess of York. So, there you okay. wow. um, So she went to work with them in 1988, which is the year that Princess. Beatrice was born and obviously a big week yep. for them because um, Eugenie's had a baby this week as well um, but yeah so yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> congratulations Eugenie I don't know if I don't think they've missed a um, little boy but um, so she went to work for um, Sarah the Duchess of York um, and she was welcomed into this whole new life so um her salary was only only 18,000 pounds but in 1988 that wasn't a terrible salary um but so many perks came with it she had this brand new really opulent lifestyle that she'd never been able to have any sort of access to and was really something that she craved um she bought a flat in Battersea Park um and they you know how she afforded that it wasn't entirely known there were some allegations that she stole um, about £250,000 worth of jewels from Fergie. But what? this was potentially unfounded, but yeah, it's I
0: mean, otherwise, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. otherwise it's a real rags-to-riches story so far, Absolutely, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was a whole new life for her. She had this new upper-class status, this brand-new circle of friends. She dropped her Grimsby accent. Um, <laughs> you know, apparently Fergie used to call her Lady Jane because she'd, like, kind of, you know, really gone up the the social status and her and Fergie became really good friends. Um and there's loads of pictures of them together at these really high balls and everything like that, really lovely, having a great time together, all these really smart 80s outfits and things like that. Um, so she was her dresser, but she also did a lot of her personal shopping for her. Um, so obviously, you know, she got to know Fergie really well. But then Something started to creep in to say that she was trying to like imitate her, and she kind of copied the way that she walked and talked and dressed and did her hair and things like that. Okay. So maybe she started to kind of step over the line a bit. It. Okay. Um, I was,
0: was going to say that, that eighteen thousand pounds in nineteen eighty-eight wasn't wouldn't have been a bad salary.
1: No, no.
0: So, so yeah, she, she um, had London waiting on it. Well, I guess it would have done. Yeah, <laughs> she was based in, in London. Yeah, so maybe she could have afforded a, an apartment or a flat in, in Battersea. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, she had quite an eventful love life. Uh, so in 1990, she married Christopher Dunn Butler. Um, who was about 20 years older than her. But they divorced five years later, citing the reconcilable differences. Um, but Christopher accused her of being unfaithful. Um, she did admit to it saying that she'd had a couple of flings that she wasn't proud of um, but you know not enough to kind of warrant a divorce sort of thing Um, after this she met um, the son of a Greek shipping magnate called Dimitri Horn and they had quite a tumultuous relationship and when they broke up um, Jane went round and trashed the flat that they shared and attempted to take another drug overdose so attempted suicide again Um, and in 1997, so, um, you know, she'd been working with Fergie for about nine years at this point, Fergie yeah. was allegedly having an affair with a Tuscan, Tuscan aristocrat um, who also had feelings for Jane, supposedly. Um, obviously, this wasn't confirmed by the police, <laughs> um, but around that sort of time, Jane was let go of. Um, so is it coincidence? Don't know. But the the official reason was they were cross-cutting and they were kind of cutting back. Obviously, by this point, Fergie and and Andrew were divorced, weren't they? So don't know. Um, But Jane was obviously devastated. Um, she'd finally got into where she wanted to be in life and it had all been taken away from her. So she was really sad. Um the next year Jane met um a very well-off former stockbroker um who was running a very successful car business with Sterling Moss called Thomas Cressman so he mixed in this really high part of London society and he really gave Jane another opportunity to be linked with those circles and that lifestyle that she absolutely craved Um, and very quickly she moved in with Thomas and she was absolutely obsessed with him Um, and she made it very clear to him and to everyone they knew when they met that um, she wanted to get married to him and she wanted to have his children, end of. Um, so, after they'd been together a couple of years, he took her on this lovely holiday to Italy and the French Riviera and Jane was absolutely convinced that he was going to propose, and she told all of her friends that she was expecting this, but he didn't. <laughs> um Daddy. actually, he made it very clear that he had no real intention of marrying her at all. so obviously oh. a bit of a uh, <laughs> a bit of a slap in the face to Jane.
0: Sounds like the beginning of Legally Blonde.
1: It does. This ends a little bit differently. <laughs> <laughs> this whole this whole thing blew up with him not proposing to her and they came home and they were just arguing all the time and it was just getting worse and worse and worse until the 17th of September um, when things just spiraled out of control. Um, and Thomas actually called the police at one point in that evening to say that he thought that somebody was going to get hurt um, but the police didn't come um they carried on fighting. So later on that night, um Jane bludgeoned Thomas with a cricket bat and then stabbed him to death with a kitchen knife as he slept.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, I thought so... it was going to be
0: the other way around. I just <laughs> you think we thought that no no good was going to come to Jane, but um
1: well, no good did come to her, but it was kind of her own doing. Um she yeah, so she didn't get what she wanted and she stabbed him to death, which, you know, poor Thomas, really. Um, so after the attack, Jane fled the scene. She contacted her ex-husband and she texted her friends to ask where Thomas was, saying that she hadn't seen him. I guess kind of to build herself sort of a bit of an alibi, um, but quite unsuccessfully. Um, she claimed that she's being blackmailed, but then the police just lost her. They couldn't find her for days. Um, and reportedly, Fergie even tried to ring her and left a couple of voice messages for her to like find out where she was and see what was going on. Um, but then four days later, she was found in Cornwall in her car, very distressed, and she'd attempted another drug overdose, but um, she was still alive. Wow. And then she was obviously arrested for Thomas Cressman's murder and put on trial. So while on trial, she claimed that she's been abused by him and that he was sexually obsessed with her and that he'd actually raped her just hours before he died. She claimed that she'd suffered abuse in her childhood and that had caused her to kill. Um, However, the prosecution presented her as a scorned bunny boiler, basically, Um, who was angry that she hadn't got her own way and was um, also just trying to destroy his reputation by saying all these things about him when nobody had anything but good things to say about him. No kind of skeletons came out or anything like that after he died. Everyone was just, you know, obviously really sad that he died, but couldn't speak high enough of him. So um, after quite a quick jury deliberation of around twelve hours, she was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison.
0: Okay.
1: But (laughs) it's not quite over. Oh. In two thousand and nine, she managed to escape prison, Um, and she was in an open prison in Kent, and she escaped. And she met her parents in a graveyard to try and um, escape. She called for a taxi and asked it to take her back to Grimsby. Um, but the taxi driver realized who she was. So they called the police and she was rearrested <laughs> and back in prison, obviously. Um, and then she was released from prison on the 21st of May 2015 two days before my wedding, um, after serving the mandatory 14 years that you get for a life sentence. Um, So when she was released, she set up a market stall selling royal merchandise um, until she was arrested again in 2018 for the harassment of a new partner. Um, But luckily, they managed to arrest her before she um, killed... Animal damage. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so she was released again in August 2019. And the most recent report from her is that she's been working in Morrison's, stacking shelves throughout COVID. Um, so, not sure where she lives now. Um, she managed to sell her um, a flat in Battersea for about four times what she paid for it and used oh, the money to buy it. That? She yeah. still had it. So, she managed to sell wow. it and buy this big country pile. Um, that she lives in in the middle of nowhere now, but working in Morrison's second job.
0: Okay, so um, uh, one way or another, she she got some money from somewhere. Doesn't she make did about the flat, doesn't it, in the first place?
1: Absolutely. It, you know, I think it's a really interesting one. Julie. She was obviously tormented. There was obviously something going on with her but she didn't really need to kill anybody, did she?
0: So for the last well year and a half, she's been out and out and about.
1: Yep, out and about she's second shelf. Not out and about too much because we've all been stuck at home, haven't we?
0: But well,
1: yeah, out and fine. about enough and that she's out of prison. Um and obviously Thomas is no more. And I think his family are upset, obviously, that she got released from prison. And I yeah. think they were really unsurprised when she was rearrested for <laughs> harassment of a new partner, saying, you know, it was only a matter of time before that was gonna happen again. No, so that.
0: Gosh! So that is the so, story
1: of Jane, Andrews and Thomas Christopher.
0: Yeah, well first of all, um, thank you Phoebe, I don't think I knew that story. and the real I really
1: thought was, you would, I'm really surprised that you didn't know it.
0: But just a quick shout out to all people that work in supermarkets, stacking shelves, ser- serving people at the checkouts, working in the oh, warehouses, man. deliveries, particularly the delivery people at the moment, I think, because without them we would be in a right mess at the moment Definitely. so um yeah so yeah, in, in no, some yeah, respects yeah. she's redeemed herself by doing a, a very valuable job respects. now Yeah, but, uh, but it does make you wonder about the the justice system mm. is, is it 14 yeah. years is that it's is
1: 14 that... mandatory isn't it i think for life that like you have to serve 14 years but then you can be released again um so uh, yeah she when... killed somebody and then she was released so
0: so she was released in twenty. Was she? Um, was she sentenced in what two thousand and one? Would it two
1: thousand and one? She was sentenced. Yeah, I think. was so then released first, in twenty
0: fifteen. So yeah. she didn't get any extra time for the for the escape.
1: No, she wasn't ever really kind of told off for that, which I think is a bit bizarre. <laughs> but yeah, she just they just kind of put her back in and let her finish her sentence. Fingers crossed, she kind of stays away from law enforcement for the rest of her life but who knows you know she's obviously shown herself to be a repeat offender i guess I yeah. we'll have to wait and see what happens next for her
0: it does make you think about our justice system though there must be reasons mm. that 14 years some people but very few people get whole life whole life yeah. tariffs don't they um,
1: definitely and i think it depends on like the severity of the crime doesn't it and how many people and if they're a repeat offender and things like that. But I guess that's how restorative justice works, isn't it? They yeah. serve their time and then they can get back on with their lives.
0: Whereas if this, if this did happen, the other side of the Atlantic, uh, it would have been life without parole probably or probably um, yeah. 25 to life or something like that.
1: Definitely. It so shows, isn't well, it, how different it is all over the world, like how different... Justice systems work and I guess it makes you think which which ones are the most effective which ones do you not see repeat offenders from Um, and I think this shows up a really interesting question around how long life sentences actually are um, and what do you mean by life and then what other sentences are in other countries around the world in England it's like 14 15 years in France um it's 18 years or 22 years, if you're a repeat offender. Um, in Germany, it's 15 years. In Denmark, it's 12 years. In Poland, it's 25 years. Um, in Holland, it generally means actual life. So it's the rest okay. of your life since they got rid of the death penalty. And in America, all states, apart from Alaska, allow a sentence of life without the possibility of parole or technically finite sentences are handed out like a hundred years plus that exceed a century and then obviously they're kind of seen as um de facto ones so i think you know yeah kind of holland and america you could literally be put into prison for the rest of your life <laughs> without um without the the chance of parole yeah in portugal they don't have life imprisonment at all um, and other countries such as mexico spain vatican city I don't know how much crime they get in... How much murder <laughs> <nerd laughs> they get in Vatican City. Uh, Norway, Serbia and most South Central American countries, Mozambique and the Republic of Congo, they don't have life sentences, which is quite interesting.
0: So it's just um, a, a period of time as determined by
1: yeah. the judicial so,
0: system, by the courts, by the judge? Yeah. Which t- I guess
1: they could still sentence them to kind of like 30, 40 years, couldn't they? But I guess... The thing that I don't understand is why say life imprisonment when it's clearly not going to be. Mm. Um, I feel like they should kind of rephrase that a little bit because life in prison, fourteen years isn't life in prison, is it? Really? So
0: after fourteen years, is that when parole? Yeah. Start?
1: Yeah. So, so obviously they could apply for parole and not get it, um, but. Um, Yeah, if you if you do get it, then you you're to serve 14 years, and then you back out again. And you know, and she was quite young, really, when she um, committed the murder. I think she's 52 now, or she was 52 when she was released from prison. Right. So she's only in her kind of you know early 50s now.
0: Fascinating story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't get over that royal connection as well. I
1: know. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that they were you know really quite good friends and really close, and she was you know one of baby's closest confidants and then so she didn't
0: know when to stop did she that's the no
1: no I think you're right and I think she was just so hungry for that life that she'd been denied all of her life she wanted better and to climb up the the social ladder which is absolutely fine um but <laughs> you have to stop somewhere, don't you you can't you can't <laughs> kill people to uh get hired but it's the uh, probably the most common motive for murder, isn't it? Money or um, yep. love. So I guess she was quite stereotypical yeah. in some ways.
0: Oh, I can give for that.
1: Anyways, yeah. I thought it'd be good to do my first case as a uh, as a woman who had killed somebody <laughs> because we always talk about men murderers. So I thought, oh yes. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll uh, do a woman.
0: There are always fascinating uh, women murderer cases. Mm. There sometimes quite brutal
1: Uh, yeah so there you go um a a shorter one this week but i thought you know short and sweet (laughs)
0: all right well thank you again sweetheart for uh for telling me all about jane andrews
1: you are welcome Um, i'm glad that i could tell you a story you didn't know Um, and a really interesting one a sad sad story but an interesting story as well So i look forward to hearing your case next week
0: yes indeed i've um you might have seen from the From the photograph that I've now got quite a stack of books to look through to get some inspiration for. And uh, yeah, so why should we be doing that and coming up with a story to tell you about next week?
1: I'm excited about it.
0: So join us again when Dad
1: and daughter do death.